0: If you are a fan of the Dive Bar Rockstar podcast and would like to help support the show, there's a great way that you can do that and start a new fashion trend. We have a new merchandise page on the website which features t-shirts and hoodies that are available for sale on Amazon. Just click on merchandise in the top menu and all of the links will be there or go directly to divebarrockstar.com merchandise. Get started early on your Christmas shopping at divebarrockstar.com. Welcome to the Dive Bar Rockstar Podcast, a show exploring the lives of music professionals of all types, touring musicians, recording artists, songwriters, engineers, bar bands, wedding bands, and anyone making their living in the music industry. Whether you've dreamed of being a music professional or you already are one, this is the podcast for you. I'm your host, Eric Baines, and I hope that you not only find some entertainment here, but also some helpful tips, trade secrets, and ideas that will help you achieve your dreams. Well, it rained here in Los Angeles today, and that rarely happens anymore here. So I think it's a pretty special day, and what a great day to make a podcast. So let's do it. And I'd like to start by giving a shout out to all of the fans on Facebook, and everywhere, of course, but especially Facebook, because a few very motivated and cool fans have created a couple of fan pages. There's the Eric Baines fan page and the official fan club of Eric Baines page. They're both really cool and they're run by some great people. Specific shout out to Marianne, Melinda, Deborah, and Paula. And it's something that I I never thought was gonna happen to me. So it's it's super humbling. They post a lot of live photos and videos. But well, they also do giveaways of Eric Bain's paraphernalia. So, you know, I, I, so I don't even know where it comes from half the time. Some of it they make themselves, some stuff they have made up, you know, and, um, and then I provide them with a few things here and there, like some pictures or whatever. So you can, you can win cool stuff. So if you're interested, check them out on Facebook and, and join the groups because it's, it's great fun and they're great, great folks. So thank you guys for all of your hard work. It's greatly appreciated. And also thanks to each and every member of the groups. I really appreciate it. Thanks for being a part of it. My guest today is an amazing guitarist, composer, producer, who has toured and was the MD for one of my super big heroes, Babyface, for many years. He's also performed with David Foster, Stevie Wonder, Natalie Cole, Kirk Whalem, Dave Koz, Kat Graham, Jewel, India Ari, Carrie Underwood, so many more, Donny Osmond, he has recorded with Justin Bieber, Barbara Streisand, Celine Dion, Aretha Franklin, Sting, Layla Hathaway, Josh Groban, Colby Calais, and Leslie Odom Jr., just to name a few. And uh, he's also been on many movie soundtracks, like Ferdinand, Men in Black 3, The Lorax, Happy Feet, Happy Feet 2, Night and Day, MacGruber, one of my favorites, Pineapple Express, Kung Fu Panda, Stop Lost, P.S. I Love You. It just goes on and on and on and on and on. The guy has done amazing stuff. And besides having a podcast, which is not unlike this one, it's called The Career Musician. And I highly recommend it. He has a lot of different guests. It's amazing how much we don't overlap being in the same town. But his latest venture is this amazing course that he's put together with his team of folks. And it's called Pro Level Sessions from Home. And it launches on October 17th. And it's just full of information on how to get pro level sound out of your home recording studio. It really looks amazing. I've watched a bunch of the promo videos and um, I'm really excited about it. There'll be a link in the show notes about how to get it and we're we're going to talk all about it so let's let's get to it. So please enjoy my conversation with Michael Rapol aka nomad So we just met recently but right. Judging by your resume and your podcast and everything that you're doing, I'm guessing that you're a pretty hard worker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I never stop. Yeah. And, yeah. A, and yeah. do you think that it kind of it makes me think, cause you know, a lot of people think it's about talent yeah. and so ratio like talent to hard work. What do you think? Uh, do you think it's the hard work is more important than the talent or it's it's just about both? No, oh, man.
1: That's such a great question. I, I come i i i i'm of the elk that talent is a is a resource that everybody has within and some people might take the time to unearth it quicker some people take it takes longer to discover and some people never discover it right mm. so i truly believe that everybody has a talent for something now right. sometimes when you deal with intangibles like music and art um it's difficult to quantify versus your accountant. Like Scott, my accountant, Scott Brown, if anybody needs an accountant who does musicians, he's amazing, he's out here in Calabasas. He has such what I call a talent for numbers, for right. doing accounting. Mm-hmm. I'm like, bro, I could, even if I went to school for it, I would despise it and I wouldn't, therefore I wouldn't internalize it, therefore I wouldn't be good at it. Right, So, right. Um, so in right. my opinion- that's a talent.
0: Right. Right. For sure. Okay. Yeah. So, absolutely.
1: So I think everybody has a talent. Now, the hard work, I think also a lot of people have talent and then don't cultivate it. And that, I mean, you can, we could look at the entertainment media news <laughs> <laughs> and see a lot of, you know, actors, singers, artists of all, all different types who, man, they're, they're talented, but they're, they just didn't do the right things. They didn't work hard enough or whatever it was. I don't know. Or they screwed up whatever it is. So I do think that they go hand in hand, hard work, but I also think that hard work needs to be balanced with family. Yeah, And only. I'm guilty of that. So I try to be more cognizant of it.
0: Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's hard. It's hard for, for it this business. It's probably the hardest thing really is to figure out how to do all this and have people in your life that you love. <laughs> right. Cause we're
1: on call 24 seven. You think yeah. about it, right? So yeah. whether it's not, whether it's a gig or or a session, that's great, and you, we want people to call us for that. But then we also have to do our own work, like yeah. you know, we're doing a podcast, or right. we have to build our own products and songs and things like that. So yeah, for sure, it's nonstop.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but I think that's been like surprising for me. Not, I guess shouldn't say surprising, but as I meet more artists, you know, the the hard work element is always surprising when you get these really successful people, it's like that took way more work than I thought it would. You think that you mm-hmm. just you I don't know, I, I make a demo and then someone hears it and it goes crazy and then oh my gosh, I'm a rock star. And that's generally <laughs> never what that's happens. Not you know, like, <laughs> like I worked for Dwight and the guy yeah. doesn't sleep like even to this day, you know, See? he just is a working guy. He's got multiple businesses. He's a, there you go. he's just a, a, a working, working, working guy, you know? And it, it's, it's really interesting. Like, I think for me, like advice for younger people is always like, it's going to take way more work than you think, you know, especially um, now, because you're not going to have a record label that's going to be like dear. holding your hand. Now you got to get on YouTube and figure it out, you know, or whatever, you know, mm. you know, there's so, so many jobs now that are on the shoulders of the players and the musicians and, and songwriters and people who want to make it. You know?
1: Yeah. Well, I couldn't agree more. And it's so funny you say that because my partner and I, Eric G, he's, He's the operations manager for the career musician, Mm -hmm. and he's literally my right hand man. Uh, He and I talk about it all the time. We'll allocate a certain amount of time to get tasks done, and we always look at each other in the middle of the task, whether we're doing it together or you know separately. Like, damn, this is going to take longer. (laughs) And then when we get done with it, we're like, shit, that's that's that took. three effing hours we wanted it to take 15 minutes right you know, like, yeah. holy crap how does it take that long just to make this little graphic go there and then do this and then link this and you know you're like
0: yeah jeez man yeah i think <laughs> so, i learned that early on about the studio too it's like yes can't you just you know just do a quick mix well that's about 10 hours <laughs> that's cute a you know what i mean mix, right? <laughs> yeah. 10 hours yeah yeah well we'll jeez. just mix it <laughs> that, yeah that's long time you know it's two days worth of work son yeah, exactly <laughs> yeah. yeah for sure yeah, yeah no that's doubt. funny no doubt wow Man, I love this setup this is killing well me. thank you yeah, yeah beautiful. we're in my garage I yep. call it the little green alien studios uh
1: huh sto- and he's got a little green alien hanging down from the roof yeah I yeah,
0: like he's, it he's always watching over us for like, for no apparent reasons as long as he keeps his clothes on <laughs> <laughs> Well, it can can get crazy in this room. I'm I'm not going to lie. I'd imagine. (laughs) Yeah, luckily it's detached from the house, so we can make as much noise as we want. Right. It's basically soundproof. That's right. It it, it could be dangerous in here. Does your wife know about the casting couch over here?
1: (laughs) (laughs) She helped me pick it out. (laughs) Okay, good. See, that's how my wife is. You need need a supportive person in your corner. Right, 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 right. Well, speaking
0: of that, um, I was checking out your music on Spotify. spotify the the nomad and lola yes and uh that was going to be later but why don't we just get to it since you brought up your wife because you do have like a a duo and and that's awesome right i mean the music is amazing thank you and eclectic and surprising and and uh it's really cool oh wow, i dug it a lot
1: man thank you so much bro (laughs) i appreciate that it's um it's funny because um okay how do i put this quickly all right so you start off as a musician, yeah, I want to play guitar, I want to do this, whatever, and then you realize, oh man, I'm an artist too, I can write, and I love to sing, and I write lyrics, and, I'm, and I and I like to produce songs, and I have right. a vision for how, and it's like, how do you do all that, and pursue a job, a career, quote unquote, yeah. as a backing musician for other bands, for other artists, it's really hard. Because when you, when you say it like that, you're like, oh no, it's easy in your spare time. You just do your thing. Yeah.
0: Right. Right.
1: So on paper, it's a lot harder in in reality. So, but when we got together, I told her, listen, and we've been together for a long time, over 13, 14 years. We're never going to work together. I told her, (laughs) don't ask. It's not going to happen. Six (laughs) months later, we're writing songs together. (laughs) (laughs) It was inevitable because she's so damn talented, Yeah, you know, and I'm so grateful to have such a a wonderful person, like I said, on my team, but to be married to this person is awesome. And then when we create, it's beautiful. Now, when we record, Mm -hmm. it's something different because then I turn into producer mode and I turn into an asshole. (laughs) No, you got to do that again. No, you didn't double that perfectly. No. You were pitchy on that. And then Mm. she'll be like, I was pitchy on what?
0: You know? Right. (laughs) And because you're together all the time. Then the relationship stuff comes out. Yeah.
1: You get on each other's nerves. So I've gotten better at that. I've gotten (laughs) Mm. a lot better because I had to be cognizant about that too and really tone that down. So, but my point is the end result is amazing. However, we, the biggest piece of the puzzle is marketing. So because we don't have enough time and resources and money Mm. to dedicate To the marketing, the music doesn't get noticed by as as large of an audience as we'd like. Mm -hmm. But at some point, you have to say, I have 24 hours. If I sleep six to eight of those hours, Mm -hmm. then I'm left with this amount. I have this family, and then I have this, and then I have obligations, and I have bills, and so forth. There's yeah. only so much time in a day.
0: Yeah. You know, so sure. we're
1: doing our best to try to juggle it and really push it out there. But nomadmola.com and we're on all the streaming services and YouTube. And then we've done gigs. We love doing country club gigs. Oh, yeah. Golf courses. Oh, yeah, and yeah. Sometimes we go as a duo. Sometimes we hire a couple other musicians. And it's great. Like we have one coming up on October 14th. So those are fun because eclectic. I really like that word. That is a yeah. word that we use to describe our music. Yeah. Everything from old Spanish boleros and, you know, some flamenco Spanish guitar infusion with old spaghetti western type guitars. Yeah. And then some R&B elements, Latin elements, rock elements. We did some covers, like The Wall. Yeah, I was going to say
0: like uh, Poet's Repose into a cover of Another Brick in the Wall. It's super cool and different. Yes. And like, I think that record alone, Chronicles of Lola, right? Yes, yes is like a concept, It's what we used to call a concept record.
1: That's what it is. Dude, you get it. Oh Oh, my gosh. Okay, so before (laughs) Nomad and Lola were a duo, Mm. we had Lola as a separate artist and Nomad as a separate artist.
0: Mm. So we
1: recorded, wrote and recorded her whole whole album, The Chronicles of Lola. And then we recorded my whole album, Nomad. Got you. And so we have these two separate albums, but then we were like, wait a minute, we're even better together. (laughs) So we got, you know. So and she always says she's like yeah like a modern day Sunny and Share I'm like ah yeah okay modern day Sunny and Share mixed with a whole bunch of other stuff
0: yeah yeah for sure. produced all of that stuff yeah yeah Yeah. uh me
1: and me and my team which are which are my dear dear friends richie pena who's Mm -hmm. a drummer uh and a drum programmer but also an amazing producer and just the nicest guy in the world Mm -hmm. uh ziggy diaz these are my boys from new york uh, Mm -hmm. my my latino crew uh ziggy diaz great keyboard player and dj and producer and then now we've roped in eric g from the career musician and now he collaborates with us so we have a a collab on on there actually streaming uh called oak street Six. Oh yeah i listen to that too it's like a, yeah it's like a modern cool thank you a modern r&b joint yeah kind of like in the way of childish gambino because we love mm-hmm. him so much so uh we did that with eric and he he and i are singing leads and lola's singing background on that ah, so we flipped it around yeah there you go so That's and cool. it, so so it's a, it's a team effort you yeah. know uh, i yeah. love collaborating yeah you know and as a composer like you said how you're a composer Mm -hmm. uh that's why i did the interludes on the chronicles of lola yeah that
0: concept is so cool thank you yeah because it's kind of unexpected when you start well it's crazy anyway starts with jailbait right yeah like (laughs) man this country uh sort of western (laughs) thing and yeah uh, that's that already is like oh it's funny it's cool (laughs) it's quick and and then it's into like a pop tune, yeah, you know, quality pop tune, you right. know, and uh, really cool. And, anyways, it, 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 so as you go, it just gets crazier and crazier. I really, it was, I dug it. Oh, oh man. man, thank you so <laughs>
1: much for making me blush. I'm so excited. You're, you're like one of the first people to actually acknowledge it. Thank you, bro. <laughs> well, Appreciate no, it that. sounds great,
0: and it's also a great showcase of of your production and yeah. your production style, and, right. and uh, you know, that's a pretty cool. It's cool. I don't know. I, don't right. it. I
1: I agree. I'm a fan, man. I'm a Thank fan. you so much. I agree. And and that's the calling card. And by the way, if I could turn that into advice. Sorry to sound like no Mr. Career Musician guy, but that's what <laughs> I am. Uh, what I learned through this whole process of being a producer, composer, writer myself, and even singer is that just accept who you are. Don't try to be somebody else. Right. I freaking love the way uh, you know, David Foster produces, but that's not what I do. I love the way uh Glenn Ballard produces, but the, Rick Rubin, I love the way all these different producers produce, but that's not me, right? You listen to all those people, you yeah. take influences, and then over time your voice comes out. Yeah. Just like as an instrumentalist, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's exactly what I would say about it is that I can hear you in the production. Yeah. You know, it's not it's not like it's crazy weird and and out, you know what I'm right. saying? Like it's i get that this is a pop song you know pop production but yeah. it's it's got a stamp on it you know what yeah. i mean it's something i haven't heard exactly before and that's yeah. i think that's the you know if you're going to be a successful producer i think that's the key is like staying ahead of the curve and seeing trying things that haven't been done and figuring it yes. and the, I've, you know the best way to maybe to do that is to figure out who you are because no one else can be that that's right you know ah well said.
1: I call it your USN, Unique Sonic Niche. Mm. Really lean into that. Find it and lean into it.
2: Mm-hmm. Look out, boy, she's on the run. We all know she's lots of fun. Before you start, you will be done. That's jail, baby. She just might take you for. Jailbait. Don't you chase that jailbait, jailbait? She is sunshine in the dark, standing like a work of art, every man's favorite large. She is one that can be bought. Oh boy, now don't you get caught? Don't you chase that jailbait, jailbait, jailbait? jailbait.
1: Yeah. And I always say, lean into your strengths
0: yeah fuck your
1: weaknesses man yeah i suck at sight reading like i can't sight read bebop charts you know a (laughs) bebop head you know right like if you put donna lee in front of me i could play it because i know it from when i was a kid Mm -hmm. but i couldn't sight read the new version of donna lee right so i had to like i had to wrestle with that okay i'm not going to be that guy i did a lot of film score work and then eventually i realized oh shit i get in some of these sessions they put these mega charts in front of me i'm like i could read it if you gave me i could nail it If you give me the chart, let me take it to my studio right? and I'll crush it. When you get it back, it'll sound amazing. Mm -hmm. Pavarotti plays classical guitar, it'll sound like, you know? Right, right. (laughs) But if you want me to do it on the spot because the clock is ticking at the Warner Brothers lot, and it's costing $70,000 an hour
0: Yeah, right. (laughs) to produce that. Yeah. I'm not the guy. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. I have a lot of theories about that actually, you know, because you write and because you have a voice. Yeah. I think I'm the same way. It's like, it's harder to read because I feel like someone's telling me what to do. Oh man. (laughs) Wow. I had to fist pump you on that
1: one. (laughs) Yes. That's so true. I feel like that about music in general. I hate, you know, And I think the older I get, now that I'm 50, I'm like, ah, screw it. I don't have to care anymore. I don't care what you want me to do because I'm doing me.
0: Right. You know? Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) absolutely, man. I'm excited. I'm 50 as well. Right. And I'm I'm excited. Like I've never, turning 40 was like a nightmare. Mm -hmm. Like I thought it was over. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yep, but I'm yep. getting closer to fifty. I'm like, no, that's gonna be my best it's, decade. I think, it, yes. you know, at least the best one yet. You know, Dude, and now that we know so, each other, yeah, shoot. see, it's it's, a, it's just only up.
1: We're gonna have fifties party <laughs> every every month. We're gonna have a fifties party. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but aren't you fifty two? Don't worry, I'm, I'm fifty. <laughs>
0: ish yeah it's the anniversary of (laughs) my 50th birthday (laughs) yeah for sure so do you think that uh, it's also sort of important to make your own music you know as a person who constantly makes their living doing other people's music you know rather you market this stuff and it gets anywhere and people hear i mean obviously you want people to hear it yes nobody wants to work in a vacuum but also part of the important part is that you're expressing yourself and you you have your time to do what you want to do and Mm. Doesn't that help to keep you sane, doing all the other things?
1: Damn, you, know? you have some good questions, Eric. <laughs> That's a great one. Because it's, it's the impetus of what we wrestle with as artists, I think. Yeah. I also think there's two molds. I think there is the type of person who's really content with playing music for other people and playing exactly what's put in front of them or what they're asked yeah. to play. Or I hate to say told to play, but that is the essence of it. Uh, there are people that are fine with that. Now, I don't know yeah. the percentages, mm-hmm. okay? So mm-hmm. I know a lot, for me, I know a lot of career musicians who never do their own music. They just play other people's music and they're content. Right. Great. Then I also know a lot of other people who are like me. They play other people's music to pay the bills, but they still got to do their own thing. Right. So for me, I think, I think it's, a, it's a very, uh, 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 you know, depends on how you're looking at it, right? Subjective to whose perspective. It just depends on what you want to do and what you think your calling is. But I think if you know deep down that you're an artist of some sort, producer, composer, singer, writer, do not ignore that. Mm. The longer you ignore that, you're going to go crazy. Yeah. And I ignored it. Right. Bro, I was like, no, 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 I'm working. It's fine. It's fine. I'm playing music. I'll get to it. I kept Mm. telling myself, I'll get to it. Yeah. And then I'm 30. Oh, okay. Damn, I'm 30. And I didn't get to my music yet. I'll get to it. And then I'm 40. Damn, I still didn't get for my music and I'm 40. Yeah. That's when the album Nomad came out, just the that. And I was like, mm-hmm. no, I got to do that. So all my friends helped me in Nashville and here in LA because mm-hmm. I was flying back and forth anyway. So we did that. And then, and then my wife and I put our thing together. I'm like, okay, we're doing it. And then in the 40s, you're like, okay, it's really hard to do both, but we're trying. Like you said, unfortunately- not as many people know about it, but still you're doing it. So at least you're creatively fulfilled, Mm -hmm. right? Right. You might not be monetarily uh, uh, successful with the music itself, Mm -hmm. but at least you're creatively fulfilled. And then you realize Well, what the fuck did I do all this music for if it's just going to sit on my damn hard drive?
0: Yeah. And
1: I used to tell my wife, babe, I'm not making another song to sit on the hard drive. Yeah, but this one's really cool. I know it's cool, but I don't care if it sits on the hard drive. (laughs) (laughs) And then we have like 50 songs out streaming. And then it's like, okay, we got a bunch of songs out. My point being still, even though it's frustrating, still do it because it would be even more frustrating if we didn't do it
0: yeah yeah
1: yeah for sure right mm-hmm. and i think you're in the same boat because yeah like you were telling me you have been doing your music yeah and i'm guilty yeah. i haven't listened to your music yet so forgive me you're making me feel
0: so ashamed because you <laughs> checked all my but i'm gonna check worry. Your music. nobody else has listened to it either <laughs> classic musician jokes love yeah. it uh, yeah. you're not alone <laughs> I I talked about a a little bit about, um, do you know Drew Tabenfeld? No. He's kind of a younger guy, um, Mm -hmm. MD in town doing a lot of, a lot of stuff. Right now he's doing Casey Musgraves and stuff, but he was talking about too, how it's sort of, if you don't do it, you know, it can leak into your, like he's an MD. So Mm. sometimes his job is to like write interludes between songs and segues, you know, and, and it, it, before he would write something and the artist would be like, ah, oh, not really. And he'd fight for it, but it's like, <laughs> well, really I'm fighting for me cause I'm not yeah. expressing myself. And you know, and that can start to leak into your other stuff, you know? So true. And, uh, so I, I think it's important if you, if you like you said, if you don't ignore it, you know, yeah. I always just say, honor your soul.
1: Oh, I love that. <laughs> you know Great I mean? phrase. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. I already have some ideas of how you and I can collaborate on stuff. Jeez. Well, Let's do it. Freaking love this guy. (laughs) All right. So we just met. uh, We just, (laughs) I still love you. All right. Uh, In in the musical sense, it's funny how musicians, we all say, I love you, man. You know, but it's very, it's not disingenuous. It means like, you know, I, I dig you man you're you're my vibe you know that's what it means yeah 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 yeah. totally
0: (laughs) well after cyber stalking you for a while now um, uh, (laughs) you know and listening to some of your your stuff and your music like definitely we have to do a try or a gig or something Something. we gotta play absolutely you know I feel like musically we would be in line synergistic yes sir yeah but I love what
1: that guy Drew you said Mm -hmm. I love what he said about that Uh, Yeah, it starts to leak in and I used to say that about players all the time you know when you're in that young phase and you just want to play as fast as you can you want to have all the chops and you want to be a great bebop player and a, yeah you know this and that you could always tell those cats on the gig They're like yo and i would always say as i became an md do not play no fucking jazz on this stage mm. this is not a chance for you to come up here and show off your chops right. i could get two sh-. and i don't care if it's jazz chops funk chops metal chops i don't care what any kind of
0: chops it is right Right. Just
1: don't do it. This is mm-hmm. not the this is not the venue for that. This is not the, you wrong wrong gig, bro.
0: Right, right. Play a part. Yeah. The
1: artist is paying you thousands of dollars a week mm-hmm. to play their music. Yeah. You better play it
0: right. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and the other thing I always say about that too is like when I hand you a recording Like some producer made a lot of decisions, Mm. you know, and, and got this right and aligned all these parts and made it sound great. You know, who am I to go and second guess that, you know, like if you want me to, great, I'll do that. But start with the record, you know, learn the part, play the part. Then if the guy said, eh, let's change this up, then be ready and be creative. And that's where you get to bring yourself, you know, but, (laughs) but Oh yes. man, you know, like honor that record.
1: Honor <laughs> yeah. the record. Do you mind if I throw a G flat sharp 11 between the four and the five? Yes, I mind, you dumbass. <laughs> I wrote it one, four, five on purpose.
2: Right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: exactly. Yeah, totally. Which kind of brings me, to, uh, you were the MD for 12 years for one yeah. of my my biggest heroes, yeah. um, Babyface, yeah. who I told the story on your podcast, which I did. You know, I did your podcast <laughs> that's first. That's going to be coming out. We'll <laughs> that, talk all the, about this. Yes, this
1: is going to come out. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Anyways, and Babyface uh, baby's face with my yeah. hero and, and you got to play him for 12 years and, mm. and musical direct. Yeah. How was he to work with first? Let's get to, should I meet my heroes or not? I mean, I have yeah. met him, but yeah, yeah, that's a different story.
1: Uh, incredible. He was great to work for, uh, yeah. you know? Um, and that's so funny that one little word for, with, mm. uh, either for or with. I had a great story about somebody who we brought into the band and he's like, no, I work with them. I'm like, no, you don't. No, yeah. You work for them because if you worked with them, you'd be on the exact same playing field as them. And they would know you as that. And they would have brought you in as that, right. but they didn't. They brought you in as an employee, right. not a collaborator.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Big difference. Yeah. Be careful how you use that. How you how you view that? Right, he is amazing to work for, because I've worked for him for twelve years. Now I, I started as just the guitar player the first two years, mm-hmm. and then I uh, you know graduated to the, the music director when his former music director left to go do New Kids on the Block. Rob Lewis, oh yeah, yeah. amazingly talented guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he went to do New Kids on the Block, and then I just said, you know, hey, I would love to put a band together for Kenny. His name is Kenny, right? Babyface. Uh, I was talking to management and she said, oh, really? I said, yeah, I, I have a lot of musician friends. I'd love to do it. And at the time, just before I got the gig, I was the MD for Donny Osmond before I got Faced. Yeah. So, cool. uh, you know, so that helped mm-hmm. having a credit like that under the belt. Absolutely. Uh, so anyway, yes. Yeah, so then we put the band together and I called, you know, you call your friends who are really good players though. Right. You don't just call your friends who are the best hang in the world, but not the greatest player, don't do that.
0: Right. (laughs) You have to
1: find the friends that are a great hang, but also a monster of a musician. Right. You know? Yeah. So I brought it, we auditioned probably 30 people Mm -hmm. and it was great. So then we we got that band together. So yeah, for the next 10 years, I was the MD. And then, you know, it was an amicable uh, breakup just before the pandemic actually. So it all worked out great. Uh, But, you know, time, you can tell. Time serves its time. <laughs> right, right. Time right, served right, right. is time served.
2: Yeah, yeah, and yeah, it's
1: yeah. like, hey, I did this and it was great, but I think we should go our separate ways. And absolutely, it was great. Uh, That's cool. But uh, yeah, it was a great time. And I learned a lot. <laughs> he is the most quiet, observant person. Interesting. I had ever worked with that closely. So half the time I spent wondering what he was thinking while working with him. Mm-hmm. And then the other half I spent. Trying to, you know, make make him happy musically right. with what was going on on stage, you right, know? Right. So and it was interesting what you said again about the other music director, Drew. How if you're not doing your own music, your identity comes out into their music when you're building show intros or interludes and things like that. And I've done that a bunch, and I would try to sell it to him, and mm. he would just look at me and be like, No. And at first he would just he would just look, and I I knew his facial expressions so well after a while, so I just knew when he wasn't feeling it. But then sometimes I'd try to fight it, especially later on, because you you build up your stamina of the gig. You're like, no, nah, I got this. I can convince him, right? Right, man. He right. would tear me down sometimes, and it's so funny because he would come down, and he wasn't the type of guy to be like, no, I said no, that's some bullshit. He was not that guy. He's never gonna blow up. Never gonna let you see him get emotionally you know, uh, upset. Right. Right. Or excited. <laughs> he was pretty even keel, uh, you know? You. So, uh, but he would just be, <laughs> he would come in. I would be working with the band. Great example. He'd say, yeah, I need you to put this medley together. These, you know, thirteen songs of mine that are all number one hits. Oh, great, yeah. <laughs> and, and we work up a couple segues and things, and and, and we spent three hours working on it. And we're all excited. We're like, yeah, we nailed these parts. We did this and we just, let's throw a hit here and these little syncopated things. And he would walk in. He's just walking around, listening. And he would walk up onto the stage. And this is that rehearsal. And he'd go over to the keyboard, and he would just he would just put his hand up like, stop. Okay, stop, guys. Then he would start playing the chords of the song, and he wouldn't say anything. So he's playing the chords <laughs> of the song, and you have to let him do his thing because he's he's processing, he's working it out.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then he would look to the drummer or the bass player, hey, "Hey, play, play, play this to do this." Yeah. And so he started rearranging the arrangement that we just did, mm-hmm. and basically that was his way of saying, "Your arrangement sucks. I'm going to do my <laughs> arrangement." <now." laughs> and at the end of the day, at first of all, first you're like, oh you can't get offended it's right. this guy's music it's this person's right. music and he's a freaking legend he wrote a gajillion number one hits so it's like dude, i always say he wrote the 90s like if it wasn't for him the 90s would have no music like he freaking wrote the 90s so you got to respect that so i would tell the guys after hey guys it's all cool man you know don't don't be upset because this is the, you know, I don't think anybody was really upset, but you know, we all just had to like accept it. And then you realize, Oh, okay. It was cool. Now there was sometimes when we would do a killer song of his, like this song, you'd be like, Oh man, it's one of his biggest hits. I love this song. And he just wouldn't want to do it. Yeah. Nope. Not doing it. And like, and you have to accept that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that that's not a personal thing towards him. That's just, again, You work for this person. Right. Right. For. Yeah.
2: Not with. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And the the thing too is that they're creative types. And I always also think that's like the best thing you can do for a person that's creative is give them freedom. Yes. You know, and that's kind of what you're talking about in in a sense. Like I, you know, I worked for Keiko Matsui for 12 years as her musical director and I'm on two records on like three tracks. She'd always go and hire the cats, you know, and, and that's another thing that can easily be offensive, like hurtful when you're in her band for years. And like, it's. but at the same time, every time I start to go there, it's like, well, you know what? she as an artist has a right to get the sound out wherever she wants you know what i mean my job is to give her that freedom and give her you know and come in as a player with enough chops and enough whatever to give them the freedom so that no matter what they ask me to do i can do it you know and and uh so that's that's interesting man so true
1: and and it's easy like you said we're all creatives Mm -hmm. right right and we could wear a heart on our sleeve. Yeah. Right. Being yeah. creative. Cause I always say we're di- directly tied to the muse, right. Mm. A vertical connection. Right. And when you're an open vessel like that to the creative gods, if mm. you were the yeah. muse, uh, it's hard not to get emotional. Right. Cause we are connected the, to the emotional multiverse. This is also
0: mean. what makes us a great player. That's what, yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Right.
1: So then you have to be like, okay, so I always say you have to separate the boardroom from the bandstand. Right. Right. So you have to know, even though you're on a bandstand, you have to put your boardroom hat on, because especially as the MD, right? Because <laughs> right, you have yeah. a ship to steer, right? right? To yeah. navigate. You mm-hmm. have these open waters. So now it's your job to, to get the... So I would say, again, when you're working as the MD or even just a side person, it's your job to help that artist facilitate their vision. Right. Unless they come to you and say, Nomad, Eric, I want you guys to collaborate with me Mm -hmm. and the three of us will write this song together or the three of us will produce this track or the three of us will build this live arrangement together right
0: very different yeah absolutely right yeah so yeah
1: that's the goal of course right we want to collaborate with people who are the upper echelon right yeah and we do now but it's taken us a while to get there. And we yeah. we could, I could stand to do more, you
0: know? Yeah, yeah.
1: That's why I was so uh, blown away by the fact that you're singing lead vocals for Chicago. I'm like, yeah. dude, that's amazing.
0: Yeah. And, you that's know, that's amazing. And they're also pretty cool. Like, you know, I've, I mean, I, I've, I've sang like three songs at this point uh, in a verse of a fourth, but um, they're not in my face about make it sound like the record. You know, there is wow. some room for like, you know, it's because uh, I had to do. Um, the Bill Champlin part on hard habit to break for a while, you know, and, and I, it's kind of my wheelhouse and I feel like I got something to say, you know what I mean? So Man. I was singing it, you know, you know what I mean? Like I wasn't just singing the song. I'm, yeah. I'm like, I'm going to put my thing on it. And no one, you know, they were all very appreciative. You know, it was very, you I know, I wouldn't that. take it too far. You know, yeah. it's the same kind of thing. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. you got to honor the records and I just do that naturally, but it's like, if you can do it, Stay in the vein, but still put your own lick in there once in a while. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's, uh, it can be done for sure. It's, it's a lot of fun. That's awesome, man. But, and so cool. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. I just, did, you know, I, I, the last podcast I did with Ray, uh, Islas, who ah, you know, love Ray. And, uh, we were just talking about mostly Chicago because I was yeah. just giddy about having the gig and he's still giddy and he's been there yeah. for five or six years, you oh, know, and see? it's like, it's such a great group of guys. It's the first time I've ever been like, I get to do this, you know. Like, right. I, I, they pay me to do this, you know. Ah, uh, see, that's it took, amazing. it took fifty years to get here, or whatever. You know? That's <laughs> or amazing. Thirty years in the in the business, in the... but I found that gig.
1: But that's the climb, <laughs> right? That's and that's when the old adage comes to mind: of you know, it's 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 not. Uh, sorry, it's not a race. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. Right. Enjoy the journey. Right. Don't be so uh, content, uh, focused on trying to get to the destination. By the way, I have to give a shout out to Ray Islas. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have gotten the baby face cake, oh, how it yeah. transpired. I was oh, in Nashville visiting my daughter at the time, years ago. She was just born, uh, but she was, yeah, she was in Nashville and I was in LA because, you know, we got a divorce and all that crap. But mm-hmm. anyway, so I'm driving in the countryside of Nashville. Mm-hmm. Get a call from Ray East. hey man, what's up? Hey, listen, you want to do a Christina Aguilera audition? I was like, hell yeah, let's do it. He goes, great. I'll put you in touch with Rob Lewis, the MD. Go from there, okay. Thank you so much, Ray. Rob calls me, hey man. The the, uh, Christina audition is this, but before that, I have a more pending thing for Babyface. Do you want to audition for him? I was like, absolutely. He goes, great, be at the studio tomorrow. I was like, okay,
2: no problem. Uh. So I'm
1: still in (laughs) Nashville, jump on Southwest, book a flight, Mm -hmm. get there the next day. I got really sick on the plane. I felt awful. So then I walk into the studio, a bunch of other guitar players waiting around. Yeah, Uh, I was the last one to show up. I was still early, but the last one to show up. So I had to put my name on the list, blah, 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 the whole thing. I said to the guys, guys, I'm really sick. I'm staying away. This is way before COVID. This is 2007. So I'm like, would you mind if I go in first just so I can get home and get out of here? I don't want to get anybody sick. They were like, no, no problem, man. Go for it. So all these other guitar players were cool to let me go. So I was Uh. like, thank you so much. Walk in and it's Rob Lewis, the MD uh, and Face sitting there in his small private studio. But he has a huge building, four studios in a giant building. Mm -hmm. This was his private studio, about the size of this room. Mm -hmm. So they're sitting there and I told them, hey, I'm sick. I don't want to shake hands. You know, and they're like, oh, cool. Thank you for letting us know. Do your thing. I played the two or three songs that they asked for. And they were like, "All right, great. Well, you know, and they were smiling. So I, you know, mm. I felt the, the good vibes. Right. Then I left, went home, took NyQuil and went to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the audition. Uh, but they asked That's me great. to play uh, Change the World, a James Taylor tune, which I want to say was uh, Fire and Rain. Yeah. And then I think Whip Appeal, one of hmm. Faces' big hits. Got and you. then maybe something else. Uh, but, you know, so again, by the way, I always like to say when you audition, just do you. Hmm. You and it's a, it's a there's a fine line, right? Because you you want to honor the person's music, you also want to honor, like you said, your soul, of yeah, who you are. Right. So I I'm a huge fan of George Benson. Yeah. So I always started scatting when I would play at a very mm. young age, and when they said take a solo on "Change the World," I just scattered along with the solo, and I can see them smile when I did that. So I was like, okay, that's a good sign.
0: Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, yeah I, I've said many times on this podcast, I. I I've only gotten one gig from an audition ever. I'm not, I'm a horrible, apparently, I don't know. Cause that's the other thing about an audition too. Is like, you're, they're going to see 30 bass players and yeah. you don't know what they're really looking for. Mm-hmm. They don't even know what they're really looking for. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, you know, if you have actor friends, they probably talk about it all the time. It's oh, like, man. you can't take it personal cause you're right. just not right for the gig. Right, but I always in the back of my mind think, you know, well, I know guys that are on that gig. I might, I'm probably going to end up on that gig anyway because I know that drummer, and, yeah, you know, and he's going to know that, I, you know. I love that. you know. Plus, in an audition, you sometimes have a committee of. Label people, non-musical people, you know, I don't mean to say like label people, evil people, you know, whatever they do their job, you know, got the suits. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And they're not musicians, but they're, you know, the musicians are going to get on the gig and something's going to happen at some point and they're going to call me, you know, or whatever, you know what I mean? It's possible. You know what I mean? So it's like, can't take that too personal or whatever, you know?
1: No, I was, Uh, I was always a terrible auditioner because I would get to the point, first of all, I would get nervous and then I would go through all these you know these phases right and i would feel like oh man i don't know i'm not gonna get it. and then i would get to a fuck it stage yeah and w- that's when i would go into the audition i would build myself up to that fucking stage yeah and that would always help by the way mm. zero fucks given best way to audition
0: yeah totally and, and, and even even
1: with that with the phase thing i was like i was so sick i couldn't even focus i was right. just, just like i'm just gonna go in here play do my thing i went home slept it off for the next two days I, you know and then i checked back in with rob and even still, it took like another week or so, and there was another callback. And mm. so, but you just have to just you have to be like, so who the fuck cares if I play for whoever whoever the big stars are right now? Right. If you want to play with the baby, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Kendrick Lamar, I don't care who it is, you know, uh, 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 Ariana or whoever, mm-hmm. Selena, whoever you want to play with. It doesn't really matter. You have to get to that point where you don't care. Right whether you get that gig or not. Yeah. And then just let the universe do its thing. Yeah. But you keep your head down and keep working your ass off. Mm-hmm. That's all that matters, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then another audition trick that I always teach with the career musician is give yourself something else to look forward to. Right after that gig, I mean, that audition with Face, I was going into the studio to record some of my songs. Nah, nice. I was excited about that. Yeah. So I was really thinking about Friday yeah. when I got <laughs> to the studio to record my songs. This was on Tuesday. Right. So I'm like, Tuesday, I'm sick. I do the audition, sleep it off for two days, then I'm going to the studio. Yeah. I'm like, I- that's all I care about is Friday.
0: <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's a great distraction. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And this, you know, you don't have any control over the outcome. So no. just, no. just forget it. Do Let it, it and forget it.
1: <laughs> you know I, mean? I always say submit and forget too. Yeah, That's the other there you thing. go. Yeah. Whether it's a track for, you know, uh, uh, composing for TV or film, mm-hmm. submit it and forget it. Right. Or an audition. Go do the audition and forget
0: it. Yeah. Yeah. Like absolutely.
1: the money in the bank. Yeah. The money that you set aside for savings, you have to forget about that money. Right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. That took me a long time. Oh, forget. me too. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> still learn for that sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. Oh my yeah. gosh. Summertime how would you like to hang out and talk about music or discuss something you've heard on the podcast how about learning some new techniques on the bass do you have a new song and would like some feedback from an experienced and professional songwriter you can do all of that and more at golive.ly i'm offering private bass lessons and songwriting feedback in a private setting over zoom just search for me eric baines at golive.ly pick a date and time and schedule a lesson it's that easy. I can teach you advanced bass techniques, music theory, improvisation, or we can talk about how to prepare for a gig, the best thing to wear to an audition, or the most important things to know about living on a tour bus. If you have a new song that isn't quite working, and you need some feedback from someone who's written and co-written hundreds of songs for artists, TV, film, and video games, I can help you with that too. All skill levels are welcome. Search for Eric Baines at golive.ly g-o-l-i-v-e dot l-y and I can't wait to meet you I'd like to take a second and thank you for listening to the Dive Bar Rockstar Podcast getting the word out is a vital part of what it takes to keep this show on the road and the easiest way to help is to subscribe wherever you listen and if you have an extra minute or two please leave a review you can also follow our page on Facebook which is the Dive Bar Rockstar Podcast or follow me on Instagram at Dive Rockstar Okay, enough begging. I hope you're having a great time. And once again, thank you for listening. So you're obviously from New York. I can yeah. tell from your accent. How are you I, talking about I already him? know anyways, but <laughs> yeah. What do you mean? <laughs> so what part of New
1: York? Long Island. Oh, I okay. always like to say Strong Island.
0: <laughs> of course you would. You're from <laughs> yeah, Long I'm Island. I'm from
2: Long Island.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's cool. Oh, so what brought you out here? I, you've, you've talked about yeah. Nashville a bit. And, uh, yeah, you, you spent some time there so that's the
1: nomad story my father's from Cuba Matanzas Cuba and yes. he migrated to the states when he was a, a very young man he wasn't even a teenager wow. uh, but he didn't have his parents his grandmother he stayed with her but then he basically grew up on the streets so he was in New York Florida met my mom my mom's Italian from a real New York Italian family yeah. So uh Cuban Italian. <laughs> and then my dad was always a, an artist, you know, my mom, you know, they always say we're a gypsy family cuz you know, my dad was always an entrepreneur. We always moved around a lot. Like mm. he, so I had over 25 physical addresses by the time I was 30. Wow. Right? So wow. it was crazy. So anyway, long story short, born and raised in New York, then moved down to Florida, moved back to New York, then moved back to Florida. <laughs> with the family. (laughs) And then I was like, nah, I I was down in South Florida, Fort Fort Lauderdale area. And I was like, man, I I started doing gigs and all that stuff. And that was great. But it's like, I really want to do session work. Mm. So I went to Nashville, did a stint in Nashville for eight years, Wow, did a ton of session work and learned a lot. That's where I got all my studio jobs. Well, most of my studio jobs, because I had a dear friend in Miami before that, Rogelio Roger, uh, who taught me about being in the studio. And we produced a bunch of stuff together. But then I went to Nashville and got real session chops as just a sideman player, Mm -hmm. not a producer or anything. Uh, Well, I also produced and wrote. Anyway, zero country sessions. I did, again, I leaned into my niche. My niche was Latin, soul, rock. So anything soulful, anything rock and anything Latin and especially acoustic based, that was my niche. Got that calling card. People knew. So Mm -hmm. eight years was great. I got a lot of credits racked
0: up. Wow. Uh, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. That's because I, I always talk about Nashville because I've, I've considered moving there and I, yeah. I worked for Dwight Yogan for five years. Right. And, uh, you know, so sort of got into the country thing a little and we were going there so I'm meeting people and a lot of LA people have moved there too. Yeah. You know? Of course. And they're, yeah. and they're always like, Hey man, it's, it's not all great. country. Yeah. Right. 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 And then you go there and you're like,
2: no it's mostly country. country you know
0: <laughs> so for you to be able to yeah. to carve out a, a niche there for yourself other than country not not that country's yeah. bad no 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 it's just that well, you know it's not necessarily my thing you know
1: yeah yeah no the caveat is you you got to find the the uh other markets the uh what do you call it? ancillary markets right christian music gospel music Mm-hmm. that's really what got me in got because you. at the time gospel and ccm contemporary christian music
2: mm-hmm.
1: they're they're really emulating what the pop charts are doing right, right? and still right. It's, it's always kind of and that's good you know because mm-hmm. they're they're yeah. saying hey if this was what the young people are identifying with right. out in the you know i hate to say in the secular world i hate to say that <laughs> but i was raised catholic and then turned into a christian mm-hmm. and and then came back and realized wait a minute i could still say fuck it's okay so uh, like, so <laughs> now you're a fucking christian <laughs> yeah yeah lightly. i i believe there is a god i believe there is a higher power but i'm not like a bible dumper. gotcha uh it's hard you know i don't want to yeah yeah we don't have to get into that. we don't it. have to get into that <laughs> uh so anyway so that i really found my niche there. but then that leaked over into a, some pop records too and that's when i was like oh wait a minute so th- this this area of the christian gospel got me started and then i started leaking into the pop stuff i'm like wait i should probably go to la to really even pursue that more and then i had a bunch of producers who were like dude you're like a film score guy i was like yeah you're right i need to go to la so that's Uh, what i did so then i went to la
0: well that's great Yeah.
1: so anyway as musicians as modern day musicians we're all nomadic we go where the muse takes us i always say yeah so the muse has taken me all around the globe Mm. i've been very blessed and fortunate knock what i do not take it for granted right i am not a braggadocious person at all Mm. i try to just you know always be self-aware right you know i love gary v because he's always talking about this this ultra self-awareness gary v is like a modern motivational speaker YouTube, uh, social media influencer, oh. but also an entrepreneur. You know, interesting, uh, yeah, ten X entrepreneur type guy, mm-hmm. and it's always about the self awareness. So, I came out here to pursue film and TV. Got Alex Al was mm-hmm. a dear friend of mine. I knew him through Kirk Whalum, great bass player, great bass player, and he referred me to two sessions. And that really got me going. Wow. And then uh, Dave Hooper, a drummer. Do you know Dave? I know Dave too. Love yeah. Dave. Yeah, he, yeah. he and I became best friends over the years.
0: Wow, a great uh, drummer.
1: Yeah, Fantastic. amazing. Yeah. And then he's like, we'll move to Santa Clarita when I came out here. I was like, okay, cool. Uh, Valencia, to be exact. Uh, mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, it was really nice. I visited it. And and then I called him uh, like a week later said, hey, bro, you want to get some coffee? He's like, yeah, right. You're in Nashville. I was like, no, I'm actually at the coffee shop on the corner of so-and-so. And he's like, what? I said, I moved here. You told me to move here. <laughs> so I did.
0: <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. That's so awesome. You like LA? I uh, love it. It's
1: so interesting because I'm a tried and true New Yorker. I'm always going to be a New Yorker. It's yeah, always yeah, yeah. home to me. Yeah. When I go back and do gigs and visit family and stuff, I'm just like, home i yeah. always say to my daughter because she hasn't been yet i have to take her and she's uh, she, she's been to a lot of other places i'll take her to new york <laughs> uh, but it's like when the last 20 minutes of a flight getting mm-hmm. into new york is the most exciting thing in the world to me yeah, i've cool. been to a lot of cities all over the globe yeah but that 20 minutes getting ready to descend into new york i'm just like
0: ah oh. yeah i just
1: lied i can't and then i can't sleep i could be in new york for a week and not sleep yeah no drugs just not sleep because right. i'm so wired
0: well, there's you know? a song about that. It's a oh, city that oh, never that, sleeps. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even try to set that up for you. It's just, but true. It just, it just happens. It's just true. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> but that's how
1: much of a New Yorker I am. But oh, no, I like so it cool. out here. Like my, the thing that scares me the most, though, because I lived in Florida and hurricanes, I've been through a lot oh, of yeah. them. I lived in Nashville, tornadoes, I've been through a lot of them. Mm. I'm scared. <laughs> Shirtless of earthquakes.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. So
1: I'm so scared about that. Uh, and I've been through a couple small ones, but...
0: Yeah. yeah we've been really lucky.
1: I, d- d- d-
0: d- <laughs> let's not okay. even go there. <laughs> so I love everything like right, that. Right, 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 <laughs> right, right, right. right. Yeah. yeah, that's very true. Well, that's cool. Because we do talk a lot about LA on this podcast. In fact, I've been reluctant to like interview anybody outside of this LA scene yet. Yeah. You know, I think I need to branch <laughs> out, but I do love it here so much, you know, and and, yeah. uh, and it gets a bad rap so on so many levels. But like I don't know. I've had it's been the greatest twenty two years of my life. You know, if yeah. I hadn't come what this city has given to me has just been incredible, you know. And I now agree. that you know and being in the film scoring and composing thing, like like it's a pretty important town to be in for oh, that yes. stuff. You know, yes, now
1: Atlanta's coming up with that. And we were just recently looking to buy a house and we considered atlanta but we ended up buying out here mm-hmm. uh but uh you know for, for yeah although nowadays because i on my podcast i interviewed uh, carlos rivera mm-hmm. uh, the um composer for uh the queen's gambit
0: oh okay yeah uh-huh. oh my right. gosh i love that wow. dude yeah
1: and he's a guitar player as well but he lives in miami so gotcha. what i've noticed is that even to get these big composing gigs you don't necessarily have to live here although it is good I guess. It is good. It's good to live here because once you get to know the directors and the producers, then they all have little studios or you have your studio. Hey man, can you come check out this cut? You know, I need you to, let's do a spotting session at my place. So let's do a spotting session at
0: your place. You know, there's a lot
1: of that. Yeah. Yeah. That helps.
0: Yeah. And I was going to talk to you about that actually, because, uh, you know, I came out here to be a touring guy. I talked about that on your podcast. Yes. And players are so accessible here Mm -hmm. because they're in the clubs when they're not, well, there's a lot less clubs now and now, yeah. it's getting <laughs> trickier and trickier. But you're there, it, it, so I don't know, maybe my whole theory is gone now, but when I first got here, yeah. I had a demo in my hand right. and I went to like three clubs a night, every night yes. and just met everybody passing out. Cause people, when they're not on the road, they're playing and did the same. That's why I'm surprised we didn't meet before. It's so weird. Know, yeah, it yeah. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, whereas like if you want to be a songwriter, which I also am and was right. very into for a long time, it's not as easy Whereas you're in Nashville, it's the, almost the opposite. All the songwriters are at the clubs playing their songs all, every night right. and you can just walk right up and get to hit songwriters, you right. know, and, and show them your stuff. In LA, it's a little trickier and same with the composing thing. It's like, yeah. where do you go? It's it's harder to network. Like, how have mm-hmm. you been able to to do that? You know.
1: Well, it's so funny because <laughs> it's a great, that's a great story, uh, I came out here to pursue film and television music, <laughs> and then I got a few really good film scores where I was playing guitar for John Powell again through Alex Al. Mm-hmm. I'll never, I'm like, so, I'll never forget that. So grateful. Mm-hmm. He, uh, John Powell said to Alex, "Hey, I need a guy who can play funk, flamenco, country, and rock," and Alex was doing some upright for john mm-hmm. and uh, he said oh i got the guy just, this is this guy michael Rapol." because before nomad i was michael Rapol. i mean uh-huh. that's my name that's my legal name right. i'm still that guy uh, <laughs> but i like nomad because by the way all those records that i played on in nashville they would always mm-hmm. screw up my name on uh-huh. the liner notes we don't have liner notes now anymore right but- it always be it would always be Mike Rapoli or Mike Ripple, uh, so I'm like uh, even RuPaul, so I'm like okay, right, really? yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's would, not
0: that hard. <laughs> I like the
1: one name alias. Anyway, okay, right, so right, right. Uh, so I w- I got Mr. And Mrs. Smith, Happy Feet One and Two, you know The Lorax, P.S. I Love You, all these films wow. with John. Ferdinand uh so playing guitar
2: Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. um,
1: because I was versatile I always wanted to be able to play as many different styles authentically as I could so that took precedence over being a bebop shredder or a heavy metal shredder Mm
2: -hmm. I was
1: better at heavy metal shredding but I could emulate bebop Mm -hmm. but that got me started those two things and then I went over and then classical and then I got into flamenco and Cuban music because my father in the blood is there, you know, so mm-hmm. then I was just like, no, nah, I want to do it all. So I really did not master. And John Powell said this on my podcast, actually. He said, the trick is not being a, a jack of all, master of none. Jack of all, master of some. Mm-hmm. Find the things that you gravitate to naturally, toward naturally. Really lean into those things. Yeah. And it's going to be a handful. And he said, that's how I became a composer too, because I liked all these different styles. And then it's an amalgam of all that. Right. right? That's how that started. And then I was like, okay, I love this. I love this. But I wasn't the best sight reader. John Mm. uh, referred me to Danny Elfman. So I played on Men in Black 3. Wow. So all the guitars you hear on these films are like it's me Mm -hmm. and even men in black 3 it just starts with crazy rock guitar you know it's me Mm -hmm. and this nicole schwarzinger schwarzinger how do you say from the pussycat dolls she's walking down the hallway uh, (laughs) with this cake and her boobs (laughs) and this bustier on oh my god she's so damn fine Uh, and she's just walking down the hallway with this and you just hear my guitar right so i'm like oh that's so cool cool. right but then there were some other parts in the film and those parts with danny he was like yeah i want you to improvise here are the chords here i want you to improvise just give me something that's Hendrixy yet still a little bit modern blah, blah blah there were some other parts where he put a chart in front of me and i was kind of flubbed my way through it got it mm-hmm. but it took mm-hmm. more than one take right and then he asked me uh hey man give me a wawa pedal i was like okay great go to my kit pull out a wawa he goes yeah that's cool do you have like a vox or a crybaby just classic mm-hmm go back to my little no damn it i had two WAs, and they were both no name WAs, mm-hmm. off the wall brands i like those WAs because they had their own unique sound right. but they weren't the classic sound by the way here's a great story so at the time i had cartage we were still doing cartage hollywood right. studio rentals mm-hmm. right i had an a rig and a b rig i spent a lot of money to get these brigs built and the A rig and the B rig, technically they're supposed to be identical. Mm-hmm. So if you talk to Dean Parks, Michael Landau, Paul Jackson Jr., my mm-hmm. heroes, right. they all had ABC rigs mm-hmm. and they were all pretty much identical. So that way they can facilitate going to different studios every day and have the rigs be set up ahead of time. Right, right. right exactly. Like they're like leapfrogging. So you dovetail like, for the, the leapfrogging. Right, right. Yeah, right yeah. Exactly. So... uh Here I am, 2005. I'm going to do it right. I'm going to get my A-Rig and my (laughs) B-Rig. Well, my A-Rig was set up at Chalice Studios in Hollywood for a session with P. Diddy. And -hmm. I didn't want to break it down because it was like a week-long writing session with Mm -hmm. him. So I'm like, okay. Then I got the call for this thing with Danny Elfman. I was like, so I called Mike Brown, my guy, my tech. Love Mike. Big shout out Mm -hmm. to Mike Brown. (laughs) He's a tech for all the big dudes. Uh, I said, Mike, bring the B-Rig to the Elfman. He's like, okay, cool, cool, cool. So we get there and I didn't have the Wawa. So I think the one and only time I worked with Danny Elfman was because there are two reasons. He asked me for a specific piece of gear, which I, I didn't have. Mm-hmm. And then I flubbed a little bit on the sight reading. Mm-hmm. So I think those two reasons, I said, well, wait a minute. Damn it. How am I going to have a career playing film scores if I'm not the greatest sight reader? The gear thing I can fix. I, I made sure I bought 79 wawas and they're all you know, right, right, <laughs> you right, know? right 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 like, right i can fix that it's yeah, easy. that's yeah, within yeah. my control i could fix a sight reading but it's going to take me at least three to 18 months to really hunker down
2: mm-hmm.
1: and i'm gonna have to put a lot of time into that yeah and at the time when you're hustling you have a family you're trying to meet make ends meet it's hard right you know right yeah, no excuse absolutely. but still i just didn't And it wasn't really my passion. Remember I said strengths and weaknesses? It was a weakness that I wasn't really passionate about. I was like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) But I did, but I didn't, but I did, but I didn't. I still, to this day, I'm torment. So I came out for that. So now, after that, I got the babyface. I got the American Idol's live tour with Uh Carrie Underwood. She was the winner that year. Mm -hmm. And then they asked me back, but I declined because I was trying to take more session work right, be a right, composer. right anyway yeah. my point is now for the past five years i have finally focused on being a composer so i've done a handful of indie shorts and indie documentaries i've composed a bunch of library music which is used in tons of tv shows right you know yeah i've been doing that for a while and commercials and things like that yeah multimedia uh, web stuff too so um my goal though is to compose for a TV show. Yeah. I really want a show like Narcos.
0: Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, like,
1: <laughs> it's all my Latin chops, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, And I have yeah, all yeah. these different guitars from around the world, guitaristic instruments. So, right. you know, yeah. baileca, mm-hmm. and Cavaquinho ukuleles, and all these different things. So, Well, that's what I want
0: to do. (laughs) All right. Well, you just put it out to the universe and it will. I do it. You just did it. I I say it all the time. That's,
1: that's still my, and that's been my goal for a long time now, for probably about 10 years.
0: Yeah. Well, it's, it's hard. Like it (laughs) was my goal for a long time too. And like, but it's like, as that becomes the, the last place to make money right everybody wants in (sighs) you know what i mean yes and so you have it just makes it harder and harder to get your stuff heard and you know but i think again it comes to the networking don't you think i don't know
1: 100 percent like i would say your network is directly linked to your net worth you know right unfortunately um and i say unfortunately only because i know as musicians there's two sides of us the, hey, how you doing? All right. And then yeah. there's the, leave me alone. I don't want to be bothered. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know? And yeah, yeah <laughs> so, exactly. and sometimes I know for me, I just, I can do the, hey, what's going on? I can do the schmooze, mm-hmm. but oh, I don't like to do it.
0: Yeah, it's horrible.
1: I'd rather just sit in my studio and make music. But like right. you said, you can't work in a vacuum.
0: Right. Yeah. So it's like, oh. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know it's a hard one. It's a hard one, especially yeah. when uh, a lot of times, well, you know, like I said, when I first moved here, it's like the place to go was the clubs at night. Mm. And I'd be like at, at three o'clock in the afternoon, I'm like, yeah, this is going to be great. I'm going to go meet all the people. And then by six sure and you, I have yeah. dinner. And then by seven I'm just like, God, uh, I'm tired. I don't really want to do this. And then, right. And it's like, I would just get myself to be like, just show up. Yes. Don't put any pressure, to even talk to anybody. Yeah. Just get in the room. Just get in the room. Because even if you just do that, people it's, are going to see you. It, you know, and eventually you do that enough, people are going to be like, well, who is well, who this, is this guy? guy? Let's go, you know, it, just get yourself yep. in the room. In the room. <laughs> you know? get and chances up. are you're going to talk anyways and you're going to yeah. be inspired by the music because, you know, it's LA. There's just it's well, great players here. And Imagine
1: if you and I both didn't know each other. We both felt like that. Mm-hmm. And then we saw each other at a club. And then we saw each other at the same club again. And then right. we saw each other at the same club eventually we're going to be like, oh shit, who is this? All right. Yeah. Hey, what's up, man? Exactly. You know, and you just start talking. Right. You know? Yeah. Get up, dress up, show up. There you right? go. That's the thing. So, yeah. Yep. I've tried to live by that and it's tough. Yeah. And even still now, that the world is coming back after the pandemic. And I, I, yeah. I made a pact with myself and my wife I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get out there more. Yeah. So, and we yeah. have to. And well, I'm the, the career musician guy. Exa- I have to yeah. live by my, exactly, by what yes. I preach. Exactly. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but sometimes that's what it is. It's just yeah. living by a doctrine, sort of. Yes. You know what I mean? Like sometimes you just got to go through the motions. Yes. Until you're inspired again. It's not like, Maybe you agree, maybe you don't. But the thing about being a professional anything Mm -hmm. is that I can't wait for inspiration. Once you put a professional in that, you know, you're going to rely on that income. Now it's a craft. Now it's a skill. Now it's something that it's not necessarily going to be fun all the time. Now it's like I don't sit around and wait for the universe to... Give me this great song. No, I've got to write songs every day. You know, I've got to write bad songs if that's what comes out, and get to the next song. You know, I got to play every day. Maybe, maybe I sound like shit today. Yeah, but at least that you got all those shitty looks out. Now tomorrow you'll sound better. But you got to do. You got to do do do. You know, Mm. we don't want to.
1: (laughs) Freaking love that. That's it. You got to do even when you don't want
2: to. Yeah.
0: Well, we keep talking about it. it. So you have this amazing podcast called the career musician yes sir and you had started this before the pandemic right right? Right. judging by the dates on the on the podcast episodes yeah (laughs) but then it's it seemed to ramp up like you know during the pandemic like me too the only reason this exists is because i had nothing else to do for a year and like Mm -hmm. you know and and i wanted to talk to people and keep you know keep sane and and keep reaching out when we're stuck in our homes you know yes sir but um tell me about your podcast
1: yeah oh, thank you uh well uh, it started as a passion project i i was on the road quite a bit with uh face at the time so i had my iphone all the time and we'd be hanging with the guys in the van in transit mm-hmm. or at the airport backstage green room whatever hotel mm-hmm. and we'd have conversations and i just started recording the conversations with my phone i'm like man you guys mind no it's cool man it's like we're talking about some good stuff Like, okay, you guys mind if I turn it into a podcast? No, 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 it's all good. So of course I gave everybody credit. And just, Mm. so the first few episodes really revolve around all the people I knew in the babyface camp because that's who I was with a lot. Mm -hmm. And then some session people that I was doing sessions with randomly. And uh, I loved it. Again, I was an avid podcast listener. Right. So I really knew how to produce a podcast. I understood all the pre, mid and post role, you know, spots Mm -hmm. and ads and you know intros and outros and, and 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 stings and bumpers and all that um of course i knew audio yeah. so i'm like okay yeah i started producing and i realized this is a lot of work yeah <laughs> <laughs> so i got like five ten episodes in and i was like eh, i
2: don't know
1: and my <laughs> wife just kept encouraging me she's like no you, you really got something to say you got to do this and i was like eh. finally when the pandemic hit we both looked at each other. I was like, okay, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> so I just started ramping it up and I started doing the zoom things. And then I found this Eric G, my, this dude, he came to me actually. Well, mm. I, we met on a gig before the pandemic. I asked him to audition for baby face. He turned me down. Mm. I was like, well,
0: How dare you, young one, <laughs> turn me down? You know, uh, I said, "Baby face." Yeah, hello. I know.
1: <laughs> uh, he was a dumbass at the time; he didn't know. But now he's been under my tutelage, so I trained him. <laughs> he's gonna love that. Don't take that out. <laughs> but no, he was busy. He was he was teaching at the time. He was a teacher for an organization, so he couldn't just up and quit. Mm. Um, there were repercussions if he did. Right. So to his his defense, but um. So anyway, uh, I met him, and then he, he came on board. He's like, "I just want to." help out can i you know can i be like an understudy can i work with you absolutely and so then we just nailed a bunch of episodes and we made it a goal we got to 150 and mm. for the 150th episode we did a um uh, like uh, we, they interviewed me right my wife and eric and then our, our, our other guy that was on the team charlie uh, uh, you know so it was a lot of fun we had that's fun. cool and i think it was episode 149 or 151 i don't remember we got leslie odin jr Cause mm. I know from Hamilton and mm-hmm. all these big right, movies, right, right. I know him, I played on a bunch of his records and we've become friends. So, Very uh, cool. he, he agreed to do it. So that was cool. So, so now we're almost at 155. Uh, we slowed down because we're building some other things. So at that point I realized after doing all this, no, I'm an educator. I always loved teaching. Mm-hmm. I hate teaching because it's a, it's a brigham role of This one canceled, or this one they're not paying, or this kid doesn't practice. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I don't like that kind of teaching. Right. I like more. Yeah, Yeah. the exact
1: same way. Yeah, more of the you know thinkers teacher. You know, like Mm. I love motivating. I love thinking. I love philosophy. I love all those things, and I've always listened to that stuff Mm -hmm. growing up, and I've always read that kind of material. I think that's why we're hitting it off. That's
0: that's it then. Yeah. That's it cuz would definitely come from the I I had the first like cassette tape thing of Tony Robbins. So, oh my gosh. <laughs> Neuroassociative conditioning. Yes, that's why.
1: And Earl
0: Nightingale, you don't know uh, I've
1: heard that name. He's the, like the Godfather, Napoleon Hill. You know him? Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So it was uh-huh. Napoleon Hill Earl Nightingale, Tony Robbins, guy. Yeah. Not necessarily in that order. Um, right. but that is the order. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Th- those were like the three pinnacles, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. See, yeah, that yeah, is why look at that. Yeah, yeah. So that's when I decided the career musician is not just a podcast. Mm-hmm. It's an education platform. It's a motivational resource. Well, our mission is to empower musicians with strategies for a sustainable career. So Excellent. Empower musicians with strategies for a sustainable career. What does that mean? How the hell to make money in the music business as a musician, (laughs) not as a music business person, but as a musician. It's hard. Let's be real. It's fucking hard, dude. Yeah, 30 years hard. in the game. Yeah. I've had crazy ups and downs. People might be here listening and think, oh, well, it's new all these credits. No, dude. That's only the good shit that you're hearing right. right now. You didn't hear about the other times. Yeah. You didn't hear about all the downtime.
0: Yeah. Well, not to interrupt. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just interrupt for a second, but yeah. let's get back to that. But when you were talking about going out and networking too, yes. the, the other thing is like, uh, people talk about paying their dues mm-hmm. and- I'm here to tell you that you never stop paying. It's not like you pay your dues and then you win and you get all the. No, you never stop paying. I'm in Chicago. We tour all year round, but I'm about to have three months off, so I need to get back out and and go talk to people and show my face again, so they'll call me for some gigs. You know, it's like it never ends. It's It's what it is. You know. Ah, so (laughs) true. So, so that was my
1: whole mission, and and now literally I'm, I'm 50, and you know I'm not dying but i am reinventing myself (laughs) right you know absolutely and i'm like well if i'm going to reinvent myself damn it i'm going to teach those who want to do what i do everything i know yeah everything i know you're going to learn from me so we developed so i wrote a book it's called ethos and ethos stands for energy talent humility objectivity and savvy and those are all the Pillars, the principles, the precepts, if you will, that Mm -hmm. I think we need to embody. Now, it's ethos, the career musician's code. The reason why it's the career musician's code, because I turned it into a code of honor that you can take yourself. Nice. Like a little vow. Mm -hmm. Lawyers, uh, medical people, they all take this code, right? Mm -hmm. They all adhere to a a code, a a higher moral standard.
0: Right. right. Why
1: don't musicians, instead of putting one another down, Hey, mm-hmm. you know, so-and-so. Yeah, no, he's kind of a dick. Why? Why is that the first, why go there?
2: Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah.
1: You know, so-and-so. Yeah, 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 I know him. Yeah, cool. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah, I did a gig with him. Oh, cool. Or how about this? You know, so-and-so. Oh, yeah, that guy's an asshole. Oh, great. Well, I just produced an album for him.
0: Right. Oh, you
1: dummy. Look, you just put your foot in your mouth. Right. See, because yeah, that's musicians. Sense, yeah. A lot of times they don't think, they just talk yeah. out of their emotions. And yeah. we're always putting people down, always judging them. Yeah, they're all right. They can't really play so-and-so. What? Dude, you know, or the other thing, hey man, how you doing? Great to see you. Hey, what are you doing? Oh, I'm doing this and that. Oh, cool. Yeah, oh, I did this. I did that. I did this. Now I'm on tour with this. And I did this album and I'm writing with this. Right, really? Yeah, it's like, man. oh my gosh, people, stop. <laughs> stop. Just everybody stop. Take a break. Take a pause. You have to bring the right energy. You have to have talent, but talent everybody has. So right. give me a break. Exude some humility. Right. While you're exuding humi- humility, stand back, approach everything with objectivity. It's not about you. Right. Actually, nobody gives a shit about you. No. They give a bit of, uh, they give a shit about themselves. Right. So remain objective. And then for crying out loud, have some business savvy. Yeah. Pay attention to your finances. Yeah. Learn how to budget. Right. Right. Learn yeah. how to adhere to a calendar. Yeah. Learn time management. Time
0: management. Come on.
1: It's so vital. Learn, if you don't time manage, you're screwed. Yeah. So these are the concepts of ethos. So I wrote the book very fortunate david foster wrote the foreword awesome so very grateful to never him heard of that. him yeah <laughs> i've done quite a few gigs with him through Babyface through mm-hmm. that association right and, and and david's just been really a I am I, so grateful I, those words coming out of my mouth i'm just like wow that's mind-boggling yeah and then we yeah. created a course in the middle of the pandemic called pro level sessions from home we haven't released it yet we're releasing right. it in a few weeks, October, 2022.
0: That's awesome. Yes. I want yeah. to get to that too. Cause that looks amazing. I've watched uh, some of the promo stuff and well, first of all, how important do you think having a home studio is to being a musician these days? Well, it's vital. And, and it's so
1: funny. Cause I almost feel like I feel stupid for saying this cause I feel like everybody knows it, but no, that's wrong. There's a lot of people out there that still don't know it or understand why it's vital. It's absolutely vital. Do not be a musician and not have a home studio set up. And I'm not just talking about your laptop, a pair of cans, aka headphones, us old guys Mm. call them cans, (laughs) uh, and a microphone and your instrument. No, I mean, start with that. You have to start there. Right. But really take the time to build it out and and over time, just keep adding to it and make it better. Because you and I both know, if we didn't have our home studios, I'm going to say 50% to 70% of my income would never came. Wow. Yeah. I mean, at this point, 70% since the pandemic. But, yeah. but even whether it's podcasts, whether it's me producing for other artists, composing, mm-hmm. just doing session work or commercials, mm-hmm. did library music, jingle, whatever it is, it's so vital to have it. Yeah. You have to have right. it and then get well versed in everything. I was never a keyboard player, but I can play because I understand music theory. I was never a bass player, but I can play because it's so similar to guitar. It's a lower guitar. Yeah, all the other (laughs) all the other guitaristic instruments I approach in the same way. Tommy Tedesco, a great session ace from back in the day. He said, pick up any instrument with strings on it and tune it like a guitar and then just play it. (laughs) Do you play mandolin? Yes. Do you play baloleca? Yes. Do you play cavaquino? Yes. Do you play the Puerto Rican cuatro? Yes. Do you play the Cuban tres? Yes. You just tune them all like a guitar. (laughs) Banjo? Yeah, banjo. Yes. (laughs) So, same thing. So, yeah, yeah, you you have to have the home studio. And that's what this course does pro level sessions from home where myself, Eric G, teaches keys. I do guitars and bass. And then Richie Pena, our friend from New York, teaches drums. And then my wife comes in, does some vocals, and Eric G does vocals. Basically the whole point is you can record anything from your house, but there's a way to do it to sound professional mm-hmm. because we feel like at the career musician, the market is inundated with amateurs yeah. producing amateur music, mm-hmm. broadcasting and publishing amateur music because that's what technology allows. Fine. Can we just step up the game a little bit? Yeah. If you're going to dip your toe in the water,
0: just fucking jump in the pool. Yeah. Don't dip in. Jump. Well, you know, the only reason I even call myself a producer now is because I was producing like I, for, for years and years, I'm like, I don't really want to do it. Yeah. I'll, I got to set up. I'll make a little demo. Well, that demo is going out to people. So yeah. like it or not, you're producing. And if you're going to be producing, you got to be good at it. You better, you know, yeah. you got to step up your thing, you know? Yeah. And from what I was listening, cause that's the other thing about all of this, like, some of us go to school and yeah. like take engineering classes, Right. but other ones that don't and that have have gone through this era of everyone has to have a studio. So you better learn, right. have just acquired these skills, you yes. know, in, in, in every ounce, you know, you can go on YouTube and stuff. Now here's all this stuff right here yeah. in a, in a compact, here you go, take the yeah. course you're going to get. Yeah, you know, not everything you need because that's yeah. the thing. Like, there's so much to learn and there's so many things. But right. here's like a, from what I can see already, is just yeah. like you want to cut a good baseline. Here's how to go. You here's know, to you want to make it sound good. You want to make a yeah. good sounding, clear vocal. Here's here's the path, you know.
1: That's what we did. We tried to be as comprehensive as possible, but still yet succinct enough so it's digestible, uh, you know. And we just wanted to teach how we've been doing it. And that's the thing. We, you and I, we learn from association by default. I've yeah. been in some of the biggest recording studios here in LA, like you have, and we have some of the world's top engineers. Right. Exactly. Tracking our instruments Mm -hmm. so of course we become buddies with those engineers i'm like hey man how was the best way to do this what do you think man i just i'm gonna get a new preamp for my home studio for guitars what do you think we're getting like the the real information right now when we were coming up there was no youtube and there was no information technology available so encyclopedias and publications (laughs) (laughs) you know so so then so now it's such a different playing field right yeah what they miss is the experience that we have. Exactly. That's what I'm offering you if you buy this course. And what I did was I made it just under 500 bucks. Mm -hmm. A lot of courses you can go out and buy 12, 13, 15, 2000, Mm $3,000. Mine is 500 because I still have to monetize. I still have to pay my team and I still have to make some money. For sure. But $500, if you can't afford $500, get out of the business. (laughs) Do not, don't even come into my business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's how I feel about amateurs. Nothing wrong with being an an amateur don't stay an amateur
0: yeah so that's sure. that's my mission yeah that's exactly what i'm talking about like <laughs> yeah. i i saw it right in front of me i'm like i if you're gonna put music out it's got to be better yeah you know or what's the point you know right. i need to be as good as i can possibly be right. period that's it you know and uh yeah this course looks amazing i mean i'm Thank excited you. like i i want to get some access because that's the other yeah. thing it's like even if you've been doing this for years like i have yeah You're always going to learn something new and, and, and and everyone has their way of doing things that are interesting. And like, it's always worth it for me to, to, to look at anything, you know what I mean? Or read any book, you know, like there's, there's a, what is it called behind the glass? There's a couple of great books where you can just, you know, articles from the greatest producers ever. And like, it's just, there's so many things to do and so many variables that you can, you'll never stop learning, you know. Mm. So, um, this is it looks extremely exciting to me, <laughs> man. Thank you so much.
1: It's a lot of work, and I've had to learn a lot about business marketing and all that stuff. And I'm doing all that and yeah. making my own videos and learning, yeah, cameras and lighting, you yeah. know, yeah. Just, just like stretching every,
0: myself. Kind of yeah. the world right now, though, isn't it? It's crazy. I, I've got a yeah, wing see, light right ring light right here. Yeah, it's been sitting there for a month. <laughs> I'm sorry to figure out what to do with it but i got like
1: three or four of them yeah and then, and then i'm learning oh ring lights are okay but then you got to get this light and, and yeah. then you got to get a light box and then you got to get this and you need a dimmer and you need a control and a remote control and a one
0: yeah ah! i know and like all i wanted to do is you know write songs, write songs and songs sing and... them <laughs> and, you know <laughs> i mean that's the thing of it and that's what's so important now like this has to be, and I'm pointing to my studio gear. It's like, yeah. this has to be like another arm. Yes. You know, you're not going to be able to be, it's going to be not creative at first. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Until that becomes an extension of yourself and you know your gear and your software well enough to where you can just, I need a guitar part. I grab this. I've got my favorite sounds all lined up, yes. you know, and, and like as it's coming in your head, you can get it out. It's going to be a second until that gets there. You know, it's yes. like part of the process. I suppose just like the first time you went from a G to a D, oh. you know, just getting from G to D, that's a process of learning. right? Wait, there, let's you go know from I mean? a, an open G chord to an F chord. <gasps> right. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah. But then once it's in your, <laughs> it's in, then, then you got, then you got then you can be creative on a whole new level. Exactly. Know? It's true. You know.
1: So you got to you got to learn the fundamentals and understand the vernacular a little bit and then and yeah. then you can go be creative. I totally agree with that. By the way, the course we teach Pro Tools, Logic and Ableton. I did 3 DAWs on purpose. That's cuz I don't want to hear any excuses. Now, I didn't teach FL Studio or GarageBand or a lot of other lower level more consumer based DAWs because I feel like you don't need to. They're really well built. The user interface is very user-friendly, right? The right. interface is very user-friendly. Right. I did the, the more standard ones. People still argue, no, sorry, Pro Tools is number one in the industry when you're dealing with commercial studios. Right. Every commercial studio in New York, LA, Nashville, and all the other studios around the world, Pro Tools is primary. They Absolutely. all track to Pro Tools and mix in Pro Tools. Then... You have Logic and Ableton and everything else and Cubase, which I love. Yeah. But, and that's becoming more and more, an, or the other one, uh, Studio One. Mm-hmm. But still, the standard is Pro Tools. So, yeah. my argument is once you can afford it, I'm not saying you have to start out there. Once right. you can afford it, then get Pro Tools and mm-hmm. learn it. At yeah. least learn your way around. Yeah. I know. But what I did is I started training myself to just use a DAW and understand I can look at anything and you just sit me down with a new DAW, I'll figure it out. Give me like 20 minutes.
0: Right. <laughs> right.
1: I think because yeah. it's all intuitive
0: at right. a certain point. Yeah. Well, the other thing that I noticed in one of your promos, you talked about starting with a four-track, you know, or starting yes. with a reel-to-reel, which I did. Yeah. I had a yeah. four-track reel-to-reel in my bedroom when I was, yeah. I stole it from my high school when I was 15. Sorry, I'll give it back. I still have it. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> you can have it back. Awesome. I'm looking at all then, the gear back here. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then I had the, the four-track cassette and then I started working you know, on the computer stuff, and yeah. that—that's part of that experience that kids today don't. You know, just to sound like an old guy, nah, kids today don't understand don't like what these softwares are doing. Are emulating yes. what used to be actual gear in a room. So, <laughs> that's it. coming from that background, you should be able to look at a Daw and say, right. if not, then that Daw's not built. All that well, you know exactly. I mean? like, Agreed, you know, because this it, is a mixing board. It it's emulating an actual piece of hardware. That's you know? So it's a um, digital mixing board. Yeah, yeah, that's totally. It. So, anyways, and that's probably another thing we have wow. in common. I mean, like, yes. From as soon as I could record something, I was recording something. Oh. You know what I mean? And and learning how to bounce tracks and like, how do I get a whole band sound out of four tracks? And like, when you're forced into that, yes. it, you 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 have to learn about it. You have to like you know, it, it, it makes your brain think in different ways. And then once you get to a dot where you can do anything, uh, you still are coming from that knowledge of like how it all works. I don't know. I'm not explaining it I right. Know, I love it. You said the, important.
1: you said the magic word, one of the magic words bounce, man, I have bounced. Yeah. And people don't know what bouncing means nowadays. <laughs> right. They think it means rendering a track. <laughs> exactly. final. Okay. Right. Yeah, it is. Cause that's what logic coined sure. it as, but it's not right. really a bounce, right? A bounce is when you take, you record a part on one track, but you need that track to record something else. So then you take that one track that you recorded and record it on top of another track that's already been recorded. Right. So you have to pre-mix it to go on to that other track with the other instruments. But you better get it just right. Yeah. Because once you, once you commit it to tape.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Then you're going to erase that then on then the track. Then you're going to erase out of the track. It's now it's going to be gone forever.
1: <laughs> that track now is going to be available for whatever you need it. But right. the guitar that you recorded is going to be baked into the drum track. What?
0: <laughs> right. You're crazy. <laughs> yeah, totally. Oh my gosh.
1: Yeah. Well, so, any fun well, stuff.
0: It's it, yeah. it looks
1: awesome. And where Thank can people you. find it? ProSeries.TheCareerMusician.com. TheCareerMusician.com, basically. We're everywhere on all the socials. The Career Musician, if you go to our Instagram, you'll see yeah. the link tree. Everything's there. Um, we're releasing the course soon. And if you buy within this certain, uh, window from October, uh, 17th through the 24th, what you're going to get is some crazy bonuses. You're going to get the book for free that Foster wrote the foreword, right? Mm -hmm. The Career Musicians Code Ethos. But then you're going to get an hour free consultation with me. Oh, very cool. So you'll be able to schedule a Zoom. You'll get a scheduling link and you could say to me, Hey, Nomad, I'm doing this. I want to learn how to do this or, you know, these are my goals. What do you recommend? Mm.
0: And I'll give you a free consultation. That's awesome. Yeah. Cause obviously you're a a dude who's full of information. Mm. And, uh, if I had six hours to keep this podcast going. I
2: love it. Let's cut it. Let's cut
0: it. Thank you so much. uh, Yeah. No, but I'm so glad you came out and, um, and it's great to meet you in person and thanks for doing the podcast, man. It was just awesome. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Dive Bar Rockstar.
1: Yeah, man. So let's go get some lunch. Let's go to a dive bar and get some lunch. That's that's awesome.
0: (laughs) Dive Bar Rockstar. Well, that was awesome. And uh, it was great meeting Nomad. And he's just so full of knowledge. And he's really good at refining it into great ideas and palatable ideas, which I think is is a pretty cool talent, and uh, it was so great talking to him. I really loved when he was talking about sight reading and how he wasn't a great sight reader, and he had to make that decision whether to take the time to get better at that or go in a different direction that interested him more. I think that's really important because just the idea that like I could take the time and get better at this is something that a lot of people don't think about I run into people that, you know, are wanting to have a career in music or whatever. Well, I don't do this, you know, well, well, I don't do that. Well, I don't, I don't sight read. Well, it it doesn't have to stop there. You know, I, I wouldn't, when I was born, I couldn't walk. And then I learned to walk, you know, like uh, it's really cool that he, he had that thought. It would, there was never a thought in his mind that he couldn't be a better sight reader. And that's the thing, you're not born with these skills. These are things that we've all acquired. It's not a thing that, that you just show up in the world with. So it's, a, it's pretty cool. Like he had to make a business decision. It's going to take me approximately this long in my estimation to be a better sight reader. And is that the right move to make as far as getting me where I want to go in my music career? But it's not like, oh, I don't sight read, so I'm just not going to do it. It's, it's not worth it to me to take the time. And I think that's an important thing to consider when it comes to any kind of skill, you know, is it, is it worth it to you to learn it? But don't think that you can't learn it because sometimes it is worth it to you to learn it. And, you know, I used to teach marching band when I was out of high school. I I taught marching percussion. And and one thing that I I would impress upon them as well is that another thing that we're not born with necessarily is the, is the idea of concentration. You're not born just... With the ability to focus like you have to focus to do something like like sight reading, for instance. And um, that's, a, that's a skill in itself that you, that you have to acquire, that you have to practice. Just concentrating and focusing hard and, and, and staying in a song for three minutes without messing up. You know, It's just another example of things that you just don't think about. These aren't things that, that people just naturally have. It's all stuff that you you need to work towards and that you have the ability to do. You just got to work on it. And sometimes it'll take you a year, just like you said, you know, but sometimes that year is going to be worth it. Nicole Scherzinger is the Pussycat Dolls singer that he was referring to. She's in the opening of Men in Black 3. He kept using the word DAW, which is actually an acronym that stands for Digital Audio Workstation. And it refers to any software like Cubase or Logic or Pro Tools, Ableton Live, things that you use to record. Well, that's our rainy day episode. I hope you enjoyed it and you got a lot out of it. And I will speak at you on the next one. I'm a a star. Wow, you've made it to the end. I'm hoping it's because you completely enjoyed yourself and are now filled with knowledge and inspiration to move forward with your dreams. If that is the case, and you would like to stay informed of new episodes, live events, and general news, please go to divebarrockstar.com and sign up for the mailing list. If you have any questions, comments, corrections, or complaints about anything you hear on the show, please email me at fanmail at divebarrockstar.com, and you may even end up on the show. We at the Dive Bar Rockstar Podcast with all of our hearts, thank you for listening, and remember, it's all about dreams.